supply consulting, warehouse operational, market revenue, material Hi, David. How are you? It's the end of the week. Uh, almost. Almost end of the week. Sometimes, sometimes the taping schedule uh, means that uh, when it's published and when it's recorded, it's not quite the end of the week, yeah. right? A little bit more frequent that it's not on a Friday. But it's it's good to see you. Yeah, good you know? to see you too. I won't see you next week because I will fly off to Korea. Yeah, again on the other side of the planet. A little bit, a little bit too many times this this year, uh, or in the last few weeks. But anyway, that's uh, that's really good. Hopefully, you can enjoy a good uh, Korean barbecue as you always do. Uh, that's number one priority. Yeah. Um, but uh, so this week we're going to go back with this theme of uh, looking at um, some of the interesting supply chain stories in the headlines. Uh, that we find that grab us, that are interesting to us, that make a lot of sense to talk about. And uh, it just, by coincidence, we have these two companies that both uh, made made news uh, recently all around essentially uh, some sort of fulfillment or warehousing problem. So that those are the kind, those are the headlines we're going to chase after, and uh, that's ideally making content for the public to enjoy. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly, and and we'll get on this. Well, enjoy is a strong word, but for the public the, to appreciate. For the public, and yeah, as, as the format of our uh, podcast evolves and. So yes, yeah, some some piece and uh, bits and pieces are going to go public. Uh, made me realize that uh, I uh, it, it, it's known to a small circle uh, that I own about three shirts and uh, two pair of pants. Uh, but now that it's going public, I'll probably have to go and buy uh, some clothing, which is the thing that I hate the most. Three uh, shirts. Think the water you're wasting in in laundry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but let's get to it. Yeah, so the, yeah, the, our first uh, example, our first company, which is the Rocky Mountain uh, Chocolate ah, Factory. Yes, a, a kind of a staple in, in, in many airports. Y yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, based out of uh, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, you say staples, but I personally never stopped to any of their... Me neither. Uh, I've never gone in, but you don't, you know. Right. If I did, I'd be 900 pounds. <laughs> So uh, uh, the so basically, Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory uh, has uh, made the statement that they want to uh, save maybe just under two million dollars. Yeah, because they were struggling. Savings. Well, I'm sure they want to save more. They've been struggling with 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 some weaker sales. Yeah, and weaker overall performance. Yeah, and therefore a source that they identify where uh, savings could be generated is in the logistics and distribution. Uh, area and and uh, some manufacturing uh, processes as well, and uh, so they've identified a few areas, but two of them we think is are, are relevant as we you know as when we talk with our clients. The first one being skew uh, rationalization. <laughs> this is uh, l like like you. I mean, I'm I'm only I'm a month or two older than you, but we've both been through. Um, so everybody knows. Uh, Pareto's law, or or more commonly known as the eighty twenty rule, right? So, um, eighty percent of your volume in in any kind of retail, wholesale, anytime you're selling stuff, 
eighty uh, percent of your volume is coming from twenty percent, the twenty percent most popular items, and so the reverse is of course that eighty percent of the items you sell generates twenty percent of sales, mm -hmm. and uh, we know when we when we show that, even though, uh, first off, this is true of every pattern of human consumption out there in any industry, in any country, whether we're in Korea or Mexico or England or here in North America, we're like, doesn't matter. That's how humans consume things, right? Uh, and it's kind of sometimes it's like really obvious. We eat bananas uh, uh, like crazy. We use uh, cream of tartare uh, almost never. In fact, I bet most of the audience has no idea what you use cream of tartare for. I definitely don't. I think it has to do with how you make meringues stiff. How you make egg whites stiff, you add a little cream of tartare. I, I don't mm. really know, right? But I think that's what it is. Anyway, so when we show uh, CEOs, uh, presidents, the big shots, uh, you know, a, a, a version of that 80-20 rule, a representation of it in their business, what's the first thing they always say? So, yeah, it's a bit, well, first of all, they're, they're uh, surprised, or uh, you kind of understand the rule, but when you see it with your numbers, you say, this is outrageous, right? Get rid of, slice it in half, take this half out. We yeah. don't need those skews. Yeah. Or even if they don't go that extreme, if you say, I'm selling 10,000 SKUs, um, you know, to uh, in a food service environment, or or to a, to a you know a consumer goods or hardware, whatever, and you say, wow, those ten thousand SKUs, I could get rid of two thousand SKUs, and I would have a one percent drop in sales. Yeah. The what are we doing here? I'm going to expand my warehouse, and I've got all I got all these loser SKUs, and we'll get rid of them. And what is that? So, and what's the answer? What, why is that a impossible and B has no impact on on, on warehousing you mean to take rid yeah. of the slow uh, yeah. the why, slow why is it the yeah the, so the CEO comes to yeah. you and says David I just saw these results L we just call up merchandising call the buyers get rid of 2,000 SKUs thank you very much you've just saved me a bunch of money yeah why is that well, those queues basically uh, do not take a lot of space uh, in the warehouse. That's true. That's one thing. The other thing... Uh, on a on unit basis, it's more expensive labor-wise and all that yeah. by on a unit basis. But yeah. in total, in yeah. the aggregate, it's still nothing. It's nothing yeah. in terms of saving space or yeah. making capacity available. Then there's the argument also, uh, you mentioned food service, that from, from a, a sales perspective, is like, well, we cannot do this because... I've got my customer that really want that SKU, and that's why I'm able to sell these 10 other SKUs to them. So there's oftentimes a... Right. And so so in a B2B environment, yeah. it's harder to rationalize SKUs because really, and, and we've seen this, mm -hmm. you start getting into a conversation about rationalizing customers. Yeah, correct. Right? And then in a retail environment, uh, like that example of bananas and, and creme de tartare, well... Why, why do I go into my particular grocery store? Obviously, real estate and convenience in my life. Yeah. Uh, but once I start going everything online, that, that argument disappears because mm -hmm. it's going to show up at my doorstep. Well, if I know that I can get bananas anywhere, I'm not going to your store because you're bananas. No. I mean, we can argue quality and all that. But if I know that David Grocery Store will never have that that those ingredients that I want for that Saturday night dinner or that Sunday roast, uh, you don't have that one little extra thing I need and you're always not carrying it, 
I'm going to the person who carries it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Woodman's in Wisconsin? Yes, of course. In, uh, yeah, Madison. And, uh, yeah, and all over Wisconsin, right? But they, they took that concept to the extreme. Um, remember, they had, a, they had 900... L- liquor. Are you y- going to talk uh, about their liquor? I was going to say 900 uh-huh. yogurt skews. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah but the, go ahead with the liquor. Well, j- just within the, the stores are humongous. 35,000 square feet liquor stores. Exactly. Attached to the grocery store. Attached to 100,000 square feet at least uh, grocery store. Yeah, you could buy everything. Right. Everything. Everything. And the idea is that makes the increment of the basket size incrementally bigger. Mm -hmm. And generally, those slow movers have a higher retail price point. Mm -hmm. And then also, it gets people always to have the habit of going where everyone, where you got everything. Yeah. So, skew rationalization, you know, I'll tell you a story once. I did a project like that with a tile company, and that was so silly. I was just a baby then, but um, we did that, and you'd say, we of course get excited, like look at these 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 losers, and look at the inventory on them, and and actually this is where the general manager taught me something, and he said, well, uh, he was in Texas, like show show me the the Adam Master for this one, and I show him the listings, show me all the all the losers you got there, yeah, those are all uh, what did he call them? I'm gonna say bullnose tiles. So in other words, you know, when you're doing a tiling job, well, you need you need that that corner tile, yeah. that chamfered tile, yeah, yeah, and of course. If you think about a, a, a bathroom, <laughs> 80-20, yeah. those 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 corners are 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 ten percent of the total usage. Of tires, yeah. But you can't get rid of them because you have to have them as part yeah. of the set. Yeah. And then we had to look at it from set. But anyway, so Rocky Mountain Chocolate is is getting rid of some dead skews. That's one thing they're doing. What's yeah. the other thing? Uh, well, they are actually outsourcing their uh, direct to consumer distribution. Right. This is so interesting. So. Um, this is something that, again, we've seen a lot with uh, manufacturers, mm-hmm. right? So you're not like Rocky Mountain Chocolate. Yes, it runs its own retail or, or maybe it's franchisee. I don't know. But let's say it has a retail presence. It's shipping to, to, to its own retail stores. stores. Um, so it has some level of what we call detailed distribution. Mm-hmm. Like when you think about a manufacturer like a, a Kraft Heinz is largely selling uh, to the retailers, full truckloads, not even full pallets, but full truckloads mm-hmm. of product. And um, and that's a kind of a very easy warehousing operation. Super simple. Very easy to automate, very easy to 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 just run. Yeah. Um, but then then you get as you get closer to direct consumer, the then it becomes an incredibly difficult thing. And yeah. I should say, of course, manufacturing, you know, the the level of food traceability, uh, you know, there are other Mm -hmm. complications in the manufacturing environment, but Mm -hmm. it is so radically different to add an e-commerce operation to a manufacturing's finished goods warehouse Mm -hmm. uh, because you have probably not invested the kind of technological infrastructure required to do that effectively. And and yeah, technological and and even physical, right? Just a a layout and the equipment and and the processes and how uh, orders get uh, get uh, picked. Uh, so it, it makes sense for a company like this to uh, to, to outsource. Uh, yeah. And, and so you're saying if we were Siskel and Ebert uh, uh, doing critic, we, we we actually vote that idea as a thumbs up. We yeah. give it a yeah, two, yeah. two thumbs up for that idea. <laughs> two thumbs up. With the caveat, of course, is that we do have some customers 
who um, do are manufa primarily manufacturers, yeah. and they do do their own e-commerce. Yeah. But those are folks who aren't. They don't. They're not a branded product. They're 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 actually doing. They they, they manufacture as a private label on behalf mm -hmm. of retailers, mm -hmm. and the retailers have asked them to do sort of like a dropship program. Correct. And those folks, uh, well, it's great for us. I mean, it creates all sorts of interesting problems to solve. Uh, so that they can do both their mainline business and mm -hmm. this core, this this side business of e-commerce effectively. All right, well, moving to killed the, that one. Yeah. Uh, so, so from a, a thumbs up to maybe a, a, a thumbs down, uh, there's this other uh, news story with the Funko. Yeah. Uh, this is the manufacturer of toys, but namely or recognizably the uh, the bubble heads licensed bubble heads licensed yeah, bubble right. heads yeah exactly that were so like baby yoda who's doing this yeah. is it a bobble head like the, the I, I think so okay and maybe i don't know i don't hockey player right. like oh, hockey that, players anything you can think i think with a stick on your dash could i get andre the giant i've never seen it yeah that'd probably be an expensive mold to create <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. See, the only bobblehead that you, you, you ship in a two by four box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, to um, keep it to scale, I mean. The uh, uh, so Funko. Uh, this is a story of uh, warehouse, warehouse relocation. Again, things that we help our clients with uh, that requires quite a bit of planning. Uh, but in this case, it's uh, it has not gone uh, very well. So uh, the warehouse, the, the, the company had, I think, uh, located in Everett, so... Uh, Up in uh, Seattle, greater Seattle, Seattle area. area. Oh, yeah. Has uh, laid off about 250 people and moved their uh, distribution center a little bit east, still west, in uh, the Phoenix uh, area. So down at the bottom, from, from the top left corner of the country, of the United States to the bottom left corner of Correct. the United States, looking at a map, yeah. uh, and uh, the there's been a disaster in mm -hmm. the implementation. They were implementing new systems at the same time. Now they're missing shipments. Their inventory is all out of whack, and shareholders are suing them yeah. for the loss of value that this project created. Yeah. So that one's a really interesting story. Um, the, which I, I must admit, I don't necessarily. I've seen the details of like specifically what has gone wrong. I don't know if you have. No, I mean, I no, we we're not privy. Yeah, we just exactly. know there's a lawsuit, yeah. but there are things on the surface. Uh, so we have no idea what's going on, but what what we know what the details of the lawsuit and what the lawsuit alleges, and the first is we know the fact that they. <laughs> They went to re they went to build a new warehouse and they decided to go to Phoenix, Arizona, mm -hmm. which is like puzzling to me, you know. That's not where you typically right. relocate. Let's pretend that uh, you're doing simply West Coast or Southwest distribution. Phoenix is a good location. Mm -hmm. Arizona, you know, in a lot of times companies are are looking at what what kind of labor uh, uh, complications. You know, what are the labor laws? California is a horrendously complicated uh, state to have uh, mm -hmm. labor in, whereas Arizona relatively is like the panacea if you are a, a Mr. Burns type fella. <laughs> but there are some legitimate, you know, cost issues. It's a cheaper place to build um, and all that good stuff. But what what's so funny is if you are going to do national distribution and you're going to move it because 
Phoenix and Seattle are not a short drive away. No, right? No. So so whoever's made that decision, they still have to get on a plane and fly to Phoenix to go oversee this warehouse mm-hmm. that they just put together. So you think, well, once you're on a plane, what's the difference between three hours south mm-hmm. and, say, four hours east mm-hmm. to St. Louis, mm-hmm. where you're absolutely in the dead center of... of um, market. Right, of the demographic yeah. center, right? Because it's not the geographic center, it's the, the center of the demographics. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the population still is enormously east, east coast, yeah. east of the Mississippi. Very, very strange decision. Which must have been driven purely by a... Again, I don't want to oversimplify it. Who knows? It, but a, 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 a theoretical cost-saving... Say on paper about is it a cost of labor, a cost of land, these uh, metrics, but I was I clearly been, ignoring I mean, the. I would junk. bet. I would. I look. I'm sure they would. Well, obviously, if they're getting sued by their shareholders, I can't say they they made a bunch of great decisions, right? <laughs> no. There's a thumbs down, but um, but obviously, like, I know for a lot of people, they tend to have the default disposition, and it's highly likely that they just never even seriously entertained anything but a West Coast solution for this. Hmm. Yeah. That's my bet. Yeah, could yeah, could be. But but that that's as you said, the strange part. If if your distribution comes out of a single point. Right. Now obviously if you have two facilities then right. and to your point, maybe they do, we don't know. Maybe they have an East Coast distribution that was a purely West Coast distribution, but then how, you know, if you did that, how could it have that much impact on shareholder, shareholder value? Exactly. Because yeah. if that was, if you had the right network, then the imp- this is a, then the West Coast, you know, is a 10, 15%, you know, it's, I should, let's call it even 20% hit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so 80% of your volume would be protected and running beautifully. Or, or it's pure, uh, purely in the execution or the design well, itself. And within clearly, the four walls, clear, that the, the well, but thing is yeah. I mean, clearly there are. Well, so we that's here. We that was now we're just we were just talking about the network, mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. clearly there were many uh, problems in the implementation, and we know it's very challenging to do a big technology project and a big facility project at the same time. Mm-hmm. Ironically, in some situations, that's actually the best time to do it, yeah. right? Because if you're going to relocate and hire essentially a brand new staff, so you're going to train them anyway, yeah. then putting in a new warehouse management system uh, is not that is, is probably the best time to do it. Mm-hmm. If you wait two years later to put in the new WMS, well, you're just going to do training twice and mm-hmm. and, and that, that, that comes with costs and complications. But and very demanding for the team. But you know what? The classic implementation, uh, and, and we know this uh, we, we know this by observing, not from our experience, but um, no, but uh, the, the, the best laid plans can, can quickly go afoul mm-hmm. uh, in a poor execution, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Strategy uh, design uh, fails if you don't mm-hmm. execute with some rigor. And always making sure you are keeping the original intent, because, because, well, I think uh, you could probably say it better than me. I'll let you f- keep going. Uh, I'm not sure where, what you're expecting. Well, no, because you've said this to me many times. That's why. But, but, or the, you know, which I agree with. That's uh, so. 
if if like in any implementation, right? You there's no it's impossible to score 100%. It's mm -hmm. impossible to get the implementation right. Mm -hmm. And the implementation from design mm -hmm. to execution is about a series of compromises. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. series of compromises either because budget either because time or, or just because some reality on the ground mm -hmm. or, or even change the business, but it's compromises. Yeah. And the, the art of executing well is, is being able to make the, the least, uh, the, the, the compromises that deviate the least from the original intent. Yeah, but as soon as it does is to adapt with what you have at the moment. And, and, and it's, it, when we work with clients, it's easy to then look back and see that you had to deviate from that plan, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it was a failure or made a mistake. It's just, it is impossible to plan every I single mean, soil piece. Soil conditions on its own, yeah, surprises exactly. in the bedrock. Yeah. And, the, and the thing that, um, that as consultants and as our, as our young staff have to understand is um, our mission, of course, is to Help the client think this through. Are, they're, they're nervous. They're mm -hmm. spending money. They're like, this is a panicky situation. Mm -hmm. And our our job is to help them uh, cleave to that to that uh, that that original intent as mm -hmm. much as possible so that they make the right trade-offs as they go along. Yeah, correct. And, and, and not to be dismissive of their concern as you go forward, but at the same time show some uh, composure and authority as things don't necessarily go well. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, because you, we've done it way more often than it. Exactly. We yeah. do it well. We, not only we've done it way more, we're doing it constantly. Right. We always have many projects on the go. I think we can conclude uh, this episode with um, maybe they're going to rebrand Funco as No Funco right now. Did you plan that one? No, I just I just saw it and I, 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 I actually embarrassingly I couldn't I, I was well, fun co what kind of name is that? Yeah. And then you fun co yeah, oh, okay yeah, okay yeah. but with a K it's, though it's the K that that that, that threw, threw me off, off. Yeah. anyway so those are a couple of interesting headlines from uh, from logistics uh, this week all right thank you.